Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we have the honor of having Dr. Jody Liu. Dr. Jody Liu is a personal cash flow coach, aka spending planner, who is very passionate about increasing financial literacy in the community. After finding herself in two back-to-back -back abusive relationships, she ended up with $400,000 in debt and living in a woman's refuge with only the suitcase of tattered clothes she left with. Between the two relationships, Jodi lost everything she had spent her life working towards, including her career, reputation, friends, money, home, and car, but thankfully not her family. The largest price she paid was losing her pregnancy in her first abusive relationship. After leaving this relationship, Jody began the journey to rebuild her life and her finances, which she did successfully. She felt like one of the lucky ones because she had the financial knowledge and experience to know exactly what she needed to do to get her life back. She dug herself out of financial nightmare, negotiated, worked, and within four years, was completely debt-free and able to start afresh. Look at that, $400,000 in debt, four years, meaning an average of 100,000 reimbursed per year. I mean, congratulations. Jody is a certified member of the Spending Planners Institute and CPA Australia. She also holds three accounting degrees, including a PhD. She is a published author in several international refereed accounting journals. Jody has been working with budgets for 20 years and teaching accounting for over 17 years in the university sector. It is her mission to empower women and give them the confidence to take control of their future by teaching them how to understand and manage their finances. A lack of financial literacy is one of the leading reasons women stay in abusive relationships or go back to them. Jody believes everyone has the right to be in control of their finances and their future, and she's right there beside you, holding your hand and giving you the support needed while you work your way towards financial freedom. As a spending planner, Jody empowers you to take control of your future by creating a customized spending plan that gives you a blueprint of your finances so that you know exactly where you are going financially. She uses a proven system that has helped over 30,000 people to pay off their debt, save money faster than they thought possible, and gain complete control of their money. Judy, thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing the space with us. Thanks, Gemma. Great to be here. <laughs> All right, today we talk on Real Talk Real Women, breaking the silence around abuse. That means that we are going to put a little spotlight on your two back-to-back -back abusive relationships. As a, just first of all, overall picture, what kind of abuse did you overcome that ended in a women's shelter? <laughs> the type of abuse that almost sees you six feet under. <laughs> So, sorry. You said? I, 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 said I did not understand the first answer, sorry. Oh, okay. So I'm probably using slang. I said it's the type of abuse that um, almost sees you six feet under. Oh, <laughs> six feet, okay. 
Okay, 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 okay. Wow. So basically, it was life or death. It was the second one. Definitely was life or death. He was psychotic. He was yeah. He was using drugs. He was psychotic. I think he might have even been bipolar. And just moods were just flicking. So that spiral, the spiral of abuse, um, it just kept getting shorter and shorter. And it was pretty much I was down to the weekend. And I thought if I don't get out of here on the weekend, then I'm dead. Pretty much because it was um, it wasn't just psychological, verbal, emotional abuse. It was physical abuse as well. But sort of that that taunting kind of abuse and he'd do it in a way so that I didn't bruise so he was okay. very strategic it was freaky like it was I'm like man you must be a psychopath because <laughs> he knew how to hit but hit in the right spots but also hit hard so it hurt but not so hard that you ended up with like a black eye or anything yeah wow yeah so it was quite calculated but he could make it look random at the same time and he did that throughout the throughout the relationship. It was all this random stuff. And then when you get away from it and clear your head, you're like, hang on a minute, there was nothing random in that. It was all actually quite calculated. So yeah, but um, wow. but yeah, no, he had um, yeah, he had control of, of everything really. So <laughs> okay, so so you experience actually almost all kind of violence possible. All kind of abuse, mental, yeah. emotional, physical, probably yes. sexual. I wouldn't be very wrong with that, especially with that kind of person. Mm. Like, like, even being hit, but in a, I understand, weird way, yeah. sneaky way, yeah. hidden way, but still very real and very hurtful. Oh, for sure, yeah. Did you consider ending your life voluntarily? just to get rid of that at some point? Uh, no, I didn't. Surprisingly no, I enough, didn't. No, I didn't. I, um... oh, okay. So you were very much in that, okay, let me get out of here, let me leave more than, you know what, I'm over. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have, I wasn't going to take myself out because I still had my family. So even though okay. by the end I'd lost everything and, well, and I could see everything slipping away, I still had my parents. And even though I wasn't in contact with them much because he had the phone and I couldn't really even touch that phone unless he let me touch the phone, um, I knew my family would be there because they knew, they would have had an idea that something was up because they knew me. So, yeah, so I wouldn't have offered myself even, yeah, because of them, so... I was just figuring out how do I get out of here <laughs> alive. So I imagine people living through that kind of nightmare right now still mm. physically untouched, meaning not visible from outside. Yeah. yeah. But really going through that same kind of nightmare. How, how did you figure out a way to escape with your children. Did you have children at that time? No, I didn't have children then, no. Okay, so it was already you getting out of Yeah, that it was situation. just yeah. Okay. How did you think about a plan to escape? How did you go about that? Um, well, I guess once I decided, should I need to get out of here um, and stop fighting him, um, I, I just said to him, look, just, you know, because he, I said, take me to my parents. 
I said, look, take me to my parents' place and just whatever, just go leave me at my parents. He didn't want to do that because he wouldn't have wanted my parents to find out what he was up to. So he said, oh, you can get on the train. You can go and catch a train. And I initially went, my first reaction was, well, but I don't have any money because I didn't have any money. Like my accounts were overdrawn. I had nothing. And um, and then I thought, no, no, shut up. Just get on the train. If you get to the train station, just get on the train. And if anyone says anything, I'll just explain the situation. I just needed to get on the train. But then, no, he was going to take me to the train, but then he he didn't. We ended up going to the shops. He had some money. And bought some smokes, whatever. And then I said to him, "Well, you're gonna, you know, just take me to the train." He said, "No." He said, oh, "I'll, I'll send you to, um, to, to his mate in New South Wales." He said, "I oh, will ring him." He said, "See if he can pay for a plane ticket for you to go down there." He's, he's like, "I need to keep you safe because he was like super paranoid. He thought people were after us, so he was like, okay, well, you know, you can go with go down to the best mate in New South Wales and." Now he'll keep you safe down there kind of thing. So here we are messaging this mate, can you buy me a plane ticket? Um, luckily he could, but problem was he couldn't buy it that day He because he lived in uh, sort of r- r- rural New South Wales. His internet was really bad. And so he was trying to get a plane ticket for that afternoon and he couldn't get on in time and it just wasn't loaded. It was loading too slow. So he missed out and I was like, oh God, I've got one more night with this man. So he got the ticket and it was like first flight out on the Sunday morning. And he was, he yeah, he actually, he, the next morning, so I got through the night. I didn't sleep unless he was sleeping. And then next morning up early off to the airport and he drove me to the airport and he dropped me off, let me go. But then he told me to ring him from the airport. So I ring him from a payphone, and um, I don't know, I think I, ma- I kind of just made it because as he was driving away from the airport and I called him, he'd started with the, who are you there with? Because I was, I, was, I guess I sounded happy on the phone, as you do when you're just like, I made it. <laughs> he um, he thought, I, and there were people around me talking, he thought I was there with people and I'd met up with people and it was all part of a plan and, and this and that. So I was like... Oh, my God. But he didn't turn around and come back or anything. So I did not relax until I was sitting on that plane and it was in the air. I'm like, when's it going to take off? When will it take off? Um, so once it was finally up in the air, then I was like, oh, it's like, oh my God, okay, I've, I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> I'm, I'm free. So <laughs> I was on my way into state with nothing, like no phone, no money, just a suitcase of crappy old clothes, and off to a guy that I'd only met a number, like a, not even a handful of times, it was his best mate, not even one of my own work. So I was like, yeah, I'm like, well, it's either that or else I'm dead. So, yeah. I mean, that was... give yourself a chance. Mm. This is what you did. You gave your, your, yourself a chance, a chance to, to start over. You allowed a exit to show up. Mm. Yeah something whatever it was that was good yeah right mm, it was yeah and then that person who bought that ticket for you at a distance and who was uh, receiving you was that person also with some serious mental health issues or was he or she okay no he was fine he knew something was wrong as soon when he picked me up from the airport and I sat in his car and he was like what's going on because he was like, last time I spoke to him, it was like he was telling me that he was going to chop you up into little pieces and feed you to his uncle's greyhounds. He was like, so what's going on? 
And yeah, so I showed him a, one bruise that I did have um, that was hidden under clothes and I showed him the bruise and I started to talk about him. Yeah, he was horrified. He was horrified. He went through his own um, dilemma, mental dilemma, I think, because like my ex was his best mate and he'd known him since he was like 14 years old or so. But then at the same time, he's like, I can't let this happen. He was like, I can't let this happen to you. He said, not right. So, and he actually had conflict with his own family because his family was saying, do not get involved. Don't get involved in this. And he's like, but I can't not get involved. Like I can't allow this to happen. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was interesting. It was, I guess, interesting. A lot of people I think went through their, through their own path with that. But um. But, yeah, no, so he gave me a bit of a, a safe haven for a few days and then my family paid for me to, to come back up, come back up and then stayed with the his mother for a few days. That was a bad move. <laughs> but then, then I was off into a refuge. I found out about women. I didn't even know refuges existed back then. Yeah. Not, I say back then. It's not even that long ago. I think, what, just over 10 years ago. I didn't even know about women's refuges, how to get into them, or that what I'd even experienced was actually what you call domestic violence. I mean, and that, you know, I've got three bloody degrees and I didn't know that. So, you know, <laughs> but. Um, wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. I remember during the time I was going through domestic violence, I pretty quickly after the first marriage, which was already with a, with a very, very, very mentally sick person, uh, I had a pastor, a woman pastor, and she had studied psychology, theology, people, and she was supporting a lot of people as her with, with her role. And when she understood a little bit of what I was going through, she started to put the word, this is domestic violence. Mm. And I was there, what's that? And she actually taught me with my own real life experience, what domestic violence was. And every time I was there, yeah, so when I came back and then he broke through the, he broke through the, the wall in order to ex express his anger. Mm -hmm. Did he hurt you? Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't want to say yes. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this is domestic violence. Oh, but what do I do? I don't know, you leave, but I cannot leave. You know how all this duality, yeah. you know? And mm -hmm. um, and actually, what she gave me is hope. She told me, okay, the day you decide to leave, you come to me, I will rescue you. But for that, you have to get out first. Yeah. It took me five years of that crazy, like really mentally sick behavior to actually get out and make the last call decision to get out. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, wow. And that's crazy. But yeah, going through that kind of weird relationships when on one end you want to help and support, you're totally aware that the person has some serious mental issue like delusion and all kind of all other things, like creating things, creating things in his or her mind that do not exist or mm. do not match with reality. And having to deal with that all while being in relationship with that person. So like being an integral part of it, it's not easy at all. But that did not stop you 
from running your financial business and getting through your PhD and getting through all those other parts. I mean, you, you were able to live both lives in parallel, right? Is that right? Uh, oh, for a little bit, everything did come apart. So probably the last six months, six months or so that I was with him, that's when everything had kind of fallen apart. So I had to leave my job. I didn't really have any friends or anything. Um, I was just, it was just me and him around each other, like 24 seven. So he was super paranoid and psych having psychotic episodes and thinking I was hiding men in our unit and doing all sorts of things. Um, yeah, so I ended up on Centrelink as well. So I applied for Centrelink. Um, the money I'd gotten from leaving my job was spent within like two days. <laughs> so $9,000 blew it in two days. So because he just treated it, he acted, it was like cash grew on trees with him. And I'm like, I don't know where you think the money's going to come from because <laughs> I'm out, you've drained me, you've sucked me dry. I, all my bills were mounting up, my mortgage wasn't getting paid. I, he, he got me into four phone contracts um, for, for new phones. They all ended up in cash uh, cash converters we have here in Australia. Um, yeah, all my rates, my power, everything, all the bills were just mounting up and I'd just been ringing them saying, I'm just going through a really tough patch and they got some issues, this, and they're like, oh, sure, they, at least they were really accommodating. But, yeah, once I'd, I'd left and, like, I left my own home, so then I had to fight to keep my bloody home because my parents had also gone guarantor for me on that unit purchase. And here I have with a psychotic drug addict living in there and I had to take off to New South Wales so that I wasn't dead. So it was then, so I had to get my finances sorted so that, the bank didn't re repossess the unit and then slap my parents with like a say a ninety thousand dollar debt for being on tour on it and then all the all the other yeah all the other bills so it um yeah financially it was it was a nightmare it was a nightmare wow. yeah imagine that that's crazy oh, wow yeah. okay you made it alive you made it out alive and you were able within four years to come back from $400,000 in debt. Mm. And you are a professional financier, financial advisor or cash flow coach. Okay. So, and I understand that you have this survival instinct strong enough to create out of thin air and exit something. Because you think about living, you don't think about dying. And that is absolutely amazing. That saves you. Can you walk us through getting out of $400,000 in debt in four years? How did you get out of that? It's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. It is, especially when you're like... In, in, in one go, especially from a, 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 a salary or an employee perspective. How did you yeah. go about that? Uh, well, first of all, when I hit the women's refuge, pretty much that's when I started ringing places. I started, I've made a list of all the different places I owed the money to and, um, and started, started making phone calls. The, a big chunk of that debt was tied up with my unit that I owned, uh, my mortgage. So pretty much what had to happen was the unit had to be rebuilt. Uh, on the inside because it had been completely trashed, especially after I left. My ex was just tearing everything apart inside of it. So my parents 
they put money into that to rebuild it and then we put it on the market to sell it had to be sold couldn't couldn't keep it even to rent it out rent wouldn't have been high enough to cover the mortgage and oh, I couldn't cover the gap parents couldn't cover the gap so it had to go um and so I managed to sell it <laughs> with the real estate agent who didn't exactly do the right thing by me but um he, he we managed to get enough money to cover the unit plus like rates and any of those sort of water <laughs> directly to the unit so that wiped out probably about 360,000 of it then actually no no 360 you know what I mean a bit under that because I still had 60,000 after the unit was gone so um, yeah, but a lot of phone calls. So with the four phone contracts, I had Optus coming after me. For those, I ended up going to the ombudsman for a couple of places, ones that wouldn't negotiate at the, I guess, when you ring them up and say, I need help. And they're proposing a solution that just still isn't viable. Um, yeah, so utilise the ombudsman to just get a few, a couple of levels up in their organisation. So they're dispute resolution people. They can make decisions. They're good ones you want to talk to. Um, so the lady at Optus that I'd spoke to, she'd actually been through domestic violence herself. So she understood. She was like, I completely understand. She still kept saying to me a few times, well, you don't, you shouldn't have gotten four phone contracts. And I'm like, I know, I know. I didn't want to. It's like, but he went in there and your staff kept handing the phones over. So like, there's got to be accountability both ways here. Wow. So, um, but she ended up, she waived a heap of the fees. If I could get some of the handsets back in, um, they would waive some more of it. So I managed to knock that one right down to, I think, about, I don't know, a thousand bucks or something. Um, interesting. Yeah, so I negotiated with the few some, knocked a little bit off the top um, as well, knocked some off. And then others I just put in, payment, rang up and did payment plans, extensions, that sort of thing. The bank, I had a personal loan with the bank as well. They weren't really negotiating either, so off to the ombudsman with them. And they ended up, I managed to work with them. I said, look, can you just hold, I asked them just to hold the interest, stop charging the interest just so that the payments that I make, because I at that point couldn't make big repayments, just so that the payments would actually work towards getting the debt down. Otherwise, I was just, they gave me this payment plan. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but the interest is more in a month than what my payment is. So my debt is still just going to keep going up. Like this is not, this is not going to work. So yeah, when I got to the right level in that one, they said, yep, no worries, we'll hold the interest for six months. No interest, six months. So it was about six months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it, it was just a, a week after week of just bringing up different places, negotiating. And then I managed to get, I was trying to find a job and that was not easy because I'd had a 12 month gap on my resume because I left my other job um, at the university because of my situation. So 12 month gap doesn't look great. You have a PhD, well that doesn't look great either. Oh, well you're overqualified. Oh, you'll probably get bored. You probably wanna get paid too much money. So then I'm deleting things off my resume just to try and get a job. That still didn't even work. So I ended up, I had a, there was a contact in one of the universities that I thought I remember him from before. I don't think he knows what's happened with me. He didn't sort of see my decline. Um, so I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, we've got some casual teaching work. You can start next week. So okay. like casual teaching work is good money. So right. that was that was the start of, okay, I got that. I was living with my parents. Um, 
so they were happy for me. I was just throwing money at my debt then. So just yeah. knocking off all the little bits and pieces. And then I just had one big loan at the end. So after that casual position, they then advertised a full-time position, which they said, look, you should apply for it. So I did. I got it. So, okay, great. I'm back in a, a stable job on good money and just threw money at my debt. So, yeah. and then, yeah, I saved up and moved out. And then I just backed off on the repayment so I could start living life and rebuilding myself again. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Okay. So if I summarize it, 400000 a big chunk of it was the unit. You got it finished to be remodeled, put back on the market, sold it so that that takes care of the of its own mortgage. Yeah. And then working with an ombudsman to actually um, negotiate and and diminish the interest on the debt and some yeah. of those like holding foxes for, for six months. And that also decreased and decreased and decreased the pressure on your shoulder so that mm -hmm. you can finally find ways to get another job, to get another regular income, living at your parents, meaning that they took care of all the living expenses, at least most of them, so that yeah. you could actually get back on your feet, because that's the biggest yeah. part of it. How are you, are you going to get back on your feet? How are you going to actually decrease this debt enough to actually go back in a good place? So that from mm -hmm. there, you can actually even as you did, manifest a full-time job with a good pay, finish to, 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 to pay off everything and breathe and, and, and come back to your normal standard way of living as a personal cash flow coach. Okay, you know, the, you, you know the trade, but going through whatever you are teaching in terms of um, um, challenges, it's not easy at all, even though you know the tricks and the teachings and the knowledge, you know it all. But going through it, it's still like, wow, yeah, that's a big yeah. emotional hijack for quite some time. And oh, you went through all of that. Yeah, it was emotionally draining. I mean, I felt I only managed one to two phone calls. When I was sorting it all out, I did one to two phone calls a day. If, yeah. yeah, if that, and sometimes space it out because with every phone call, I had to tell them what had happened. So oh, I was rehashing. Like, oh. Yeah, well, yeah, so I'd sort of just gotten out and I've just escaped. And I'm like, oh my God, my finances were the main thing stressing me out. I'm like, well, I'm not going to get killed right now. So I'm okay. I'm in a refuge. But my money, I'm like, I've got to, I didn't want to get a black mark against my name because I thought, well, that's going to affect my future. So I thought, I just, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the key. Like, if you're in financial troubles, you call the place. You call the place, mm -hmm. you tell them what's going on. It's better than keeping your mouth shut and sinking and then they go, okay, we'll, we'll send debt collectors and things like that, catch it before it spirals. So I thought, okay, I've got to get onto this and, yeah, keep it going. So, yeah, it was emotionally emotionally draining, but I pulled it off. <laughs> so yeah, I pulled did. it off out of it. I don't have any or the worst, actually, no, the worst I got was with Optus. They whitelisted me which means that I, was, I wasn't blacklisted. They just whitelisted me, which means that I couldn't get another contract with them. Oh, so okay. I, uh, I had to change mobile phone providers. Hmm. So I was a bit annoyed about that because I did like Optus at the time. I know I had to go to Telstra. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> but anyway, but I'm not, I mean, I've thought about should I go back to Optus and it's been 10 years now. I thought I wonder if I'm still whitelisted. So Wow. 
ask him if I'm still like barred from getting an Optus contract. <laughs> but that, that was, yeah, so that probably yeah, what I had to pay uh-huh. for in that regard. But other than that, my, my credit rating is fine. That's fantastic. So, That's so fantastic. Yeah, and I didn't have to go bankrupt either. So, yeah, yeah, because going bankrupt that 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 stays with you years. It stops oh, it you from be. actually spending years. Yep. It's it's a long, yeah. long, long time. It's really something like even in the worst of times, like don't go bankrupt. Try to work out another thing, another plan, get another job, anything. But yeah. don't go oh, bankrupt. That's it. That's, yeah. Uh, and I just work with your creditors. That's what I found. Like bankruptcy, yeah. like because you can't escape it at the end of the day. Like bankruptcy, exactly. you might get out of something in the short term, but it's gonna come back and get you, and affect uh-huh. you in the long term. It's like it'll just be a hey, here's a reminder of what happened back then, <laughs> and that's what right, you're wearing exactly. now. Exactly. So I think if you can negotiate and utilize all the different services that are available. And that's, I guess, why I've said I thought I'm one of the lucky ones because, I mean, yeah, I've got my background in accounting, but I guess I've, yeah, I I was aware of who ombudsmen were and what they could do and I'm aware of, like, I taught accounting at universities and help people with, help my parents with their finance, help people with their money as well. So it's, you you know, you've got to speak up, like sitting there sticking your head in the sand doesn't do anything and there is so much out there to utilise. You just have to speak up and ask. Mm-hmm. And people are happy to help. That's one thing I found is with all the phone calls I made, everyone was really accommodating. There was mm-hmm. only, I think, one, one that wasn't, and that was an internet provider. And well, not even the internet provider. Someone stuffed up something, so it ended up shooting off to a debt collector. And the debt collector, um, I had to deal with two debt collectors. One of them was not nice at all. Um, yeah, I think it was outsourced overseas and the attitude was very much so when are you paying and I said well I can't like I'm in this position and da 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 so when are you paying can you pay the amount you're paying it like tomorrow and it's like whoa that was the only one where it was just very cold not understanding no compassion no nothing so that one um I don't think no, that one didn't go to the ombudsman. Ombudsman, that one went back to the to the company. I said, look, we made this agreement, and you've pretty much just reneged. And thank God it was recorded that I had notes, and they also record their calls. So I went, well, you go back and listen to your recording. This is what you said. Why did you send it off to a debt collector? That wasn't supposed to happen. Because then they had their they added a fee on to it as well. They added on like over a thousand dollars. But anyway, so yeah. Just hmm. had my plan of attack. Just execute the plan. It's the same with when you're yeah, escaping. Exactly. Plan, exactly. That's fascinating. That means that it's not just okay. So to reimburse four hundred thousand dollars in four years, that means that you made a hundred thousand per year more than what you needed. This is not what happens. It's like all negotiation, finding other ways, thinking outside of the box consolidating, leaving off your parents' place to have the minimum uh, the, the minimum charge on your own wallet as possible, finding a job, organizing. So putting all your knowledge to your own service. And that is the knowledge that you are also working with today to help your clients, meaning that you mm. know domestic violence, you know abuse, you know being in the in almost almost bankruptcy but nope 
you do not <laughs> file for bankruptcy. No, there are other ways. And how to get out of this kind of impasse. So as you have all this wealth of knowledge, of experience, you are the best positioned to actually go help all the clients who want to have like some serious, compassionate, knowledgeable hand holding for their personal finances. Because there is one thing we do not learn at, at school. And I also have a CPA accounting background. So I know that thing, I, I know that thing from school. Knowing where to put the numbers in what category in order to showcase the right things for the taxes does not mean that you know how to manage money. That mm. is just a false belief. Knowing how to manage money, deal with creditors, organize the things, lower the debt, lower the, 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 the cost, increase the income, all that thinking, that is another skill. It's not CPA skill. Mm. It's really like, as you say, personal cash flow coach. Oh, that's another level. And that is probably yeah. where you got your doctorate. Like, how do you think about money? How do you organize things so that it is actually livable on the long term? Thinking about your legacy while you are well alive and well in your, I don't know, 20s, 30s. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Well, yeah, out of the box thinking, because I think money, there's not really a black and white answer I think with money and each person has an individual money story so I mean there's cookie cutter approaches out there but I find a lot of people struggle with those because they they might have too much debt or they're in a bit of a tricky situation so it's um yeah you you've got to think out of the box you've got to get creative you've got to think of all the different options or at least try and explore and look for different options to go how do I get the solution so as I get that solutions sort of solutions focused approach but, um, yeah, yeah, but definitely the PhD taught me how to think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how to think and That's fascinating. Tell me again exactly what do people look for when they look at your, uh, when they try to look you up and find your um, spending planner? Spending planner? Um, well, I guess when people look me up, they're looking for a, a, a solution to their money problems or yes. how to, whether it's a, a money problem or whether they're looking for a better way to manage their money. So some people have tried budgeting and they just fail at budgeting. Other people yes. are in a bit of a mess and they're like, oh, I don't know how to get out of the mess. Or yes. um, others of, you know, they want to build savings and get their debt down so they can build their savings and go on and do the things that they want to do with life. So I offer um, a spending plan service, which is still in the realm of budgeting, but it's just a more efficient type of budgeting. We have online software. And um, I was actually thinking just the other day that that's for anyone that's in a position where they don't want someone to find out what they're doing with budgeting, that would actually work quite well because our software's online and you can log into it. As long as you're on a computer or phone, you can log into that software. So in the software is where we build the spending plan. We map out your finances for the coming 12 months and you can plan it and you can see how much money you need to live, how much, okay, do we have money left to save? Um, am I going to hit any roadblocks? How do we overcome those? But, yeah, I was actually just thinking, okay, well, actually, yeah, if someone was in a, a risky situation, they didn't want someone to see them planning, oh, well, just, they can just, they just, you log into the browser, you could go incognito and then just shut it down or you could log into it from a library or so you could actually map out your own plan 
away from the home or in a way that you're not using a notepad and book that someone could find as well. So that is clever. Very clever, mm. very useful tips. Okay. Mm. Spending planner, Dr. Jody Liu. That is so so cool. Oh yeah, Americans say just Lou. And you're like, no, you don't. You say Liu. <laughs> That's my personal take on that. <laughs> Coming from French, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is there no? It's N I U. It's not Lou. No, no. Nothing. <laughs> That's my personal take. It's all good. Okay. So Jody, your doctor Jody, my respect. Uh, I absolutely appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your learning, your knowledge, your expertise, experience with us, and definitely going to check out much more about the standing planner and see how that can help. Gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Gorgeous. Thank you so, so much. Looking forward for many, many new clients coming your way because that is really, really useful. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much again for being here today. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Gemma. My last question before I leave. What is the question I did not ask you that you wish you could have conveyed to the audience? Is there one thing I missed out to ask you and you're thinking like, hey, I wanted to say that and I did not. Um, I guess, oh, let's see. I'm not entirely sure what question, but I guess one thing that I would probably want to say is if you are in a, a situation and you're thinking, I can't get out because I don't have money, um, you just have to jump. As scary as that sounds, I think you just have don't worry about the house, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, or I don't have money, what am I going to do? There are so many services out there now, a lot more. Like when I was, and I guess for anyone that's listening that is a single female in domestic violence, because I was a single female in domestic violence and the services there are just, there's not a lot. I felt very alone. Um, but it's, you do probably have to scrap and fight a bit more if you are a single female when you don't have the kids attached because when there's kids involved, everyone's like, oh, my God, save the kids, which, yeah, sure, but it's also these women might want to go on and have kids and haven't been able to experience that yet. Um, so I would say if you are that, you know, the, the single female, I know it's more complicated when kids are involved, but take the jump, have faith in yourself and just trust yourself because once you're out, your options open up so much. And there are so many places now because domestic violence is so prevalent, unfortunately. Um, yeah, there's just so much out there that I think even as a single female um, in it, you it'll be really easy to get to get the support. But I think you, you kind of just have to, to take that leap, have faith in yourself. Um, and, yeah, and then you can rebuild. You'll get the clear mind back. It's hard to have the clear mind when someone's abusing you every day. But once you're away from it, you can see clearly and then yeah build yourself up so don't stress about the money like it's I guess the way I look at it it's an easy fix I left everything literally everything and had I had an overdrawn bank account and he was still trying to use my card <laughs> when I left so and I rebuilt and I didn't rebuild straight away like I got the good paying job but that was almost 12 what eight nine months after I'd left so you know money you can figure it out it's not your your life is important and you deserve to live your life. 
Yeah, I think it's super important. Thank you for conveying that message. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. See you later. See ya.